on Stick to Football, we have Kentucky dual threat, Mr. Do-It-All, Lynn Bowden. He's a quarterback, he's a receiver, just get him the fucking football. He's going to join us here on Stick to Football. There is so much going on, I'm not going to waste any time getting into it, but I do want to remind everybody, because y'all been asking, and we've been terrible at promoting this, February 29th, yes, that is a real day this year, from 2 to 4... Leap year, thank you, Melo. At Tootie Brewing it Company, every four years in Indianapolis, same we, as the Summer Olympics. I hate you. We will be having our event from two to four. We'll be recording the podcast. If you don't know who Joey Molinaro is yet, uh, you're living under a rock. He is doing impersonations of everyone on Twitter right now, most notably Colin Coward. He'll be joining us at the event, so we're gonna have Joey on the podcast. Connor will be there. I hope in that beautiful Hawaiian T-shirt he's wearing right now. Looks good. I like it. And uh, we'll be having a good time. Having a a great time. Two to four. It's free. Come out with us. Two Deep Brewing Company. Now, like I said, a lot is going on. Things are happening happening fast and furious right now, guys. The uh, NFL came out Thursday afternoon as we're recording. The owners have voted to approve a new CBA. Now, what this means, basically, is the owners now have a deal that they want to present to the players. This doesn't mean that anything has been agreed to. It doesn't mean we're getting 17 games. It doesn't mean the playoffs are expanding. But they have a deal that they feel good enough that now they're going to give it to the NFL Players Association, which will have a conference call on Friday, and they will vote. So the you know the, the Players Council is going to vote on Friday, guys. I There's not a whole lot to say. Like We don't know what all is in this deal as of Thursday at 4.06 p.m. Central Time. But we can feel pretty confident that the NFL is going to get 17 games. And the owners have already said, we can expand the playoffs without a new CBA. So if they want to do that, they feel like they can do it. And I think that is exciting. Uh, I don't want it to be watered down, much like the NBA, where they let half the league in to their playoffs. But I like the idea of putting another team in there. It really gives that one team that wins the conference that advantage of, okay, we are getting the bye week. We are getting the home field advantage. Uh, so there's going to be more football on, and I think that's always good news. I am so OCD that I don't want a 17-game schedule, so I could go without that one. But I think that this is something the players are going to look at, and, and here pretty soon we're going to get an idea of what they want, kind of how they counter offer this thing. But it is good that they're getting it done early. We don't have to worry about any lockouts coming up. So that's always good news for football fans too. That's the most important thing to me is that the conversations are starting, uh, that the NFL seems to be very transparent, how serious they are about not only a longer schedule, but definitely an extra team in the playoffs. And I think for the NFLPA, this is a really good opportunity for them to counter with things that mean a lot to them. If you're giving that much, an extra game is so much more money each year. An extra playoff team is so much more money each year. This is a really good opportunity for the NFLPA to ask for some things that mean a lot to them. Lifetime health insurance, I think, is one that has to come off off the top from them. Yep. Uh, you know, it's gotten that serious, especially if you're playing those kind of seasons. Even the season they play now, they should have it. So the counter here is going to be the most important part of the story. And I will say to the players, uh, I know we have a lot of players that listen to this podcast three times a week. Do not let the NFL sell you on, oh, but you're going to get that playoff share. That money is not anywhere close. If you're the seventh team that makes a playoff, your playoff share is not worth what your normal regular game check would be for a a normal week. So don't let them sell you on that. Make sure you're getting your fair cut. 
the NFL is not going anywhere. They're printing money right now. So, And I know the players have great leadership with Eric Winston as uh, the president of the NFLPA. We've had him on the show before. They, they know what they're doing. If I'm the players, I look at this and say, why does the owners, why do the owners want this deal done like a year and a half before it has to be done? It really feels like they're just trying to, you know, like float something past the players here. Like that's if I were a player rep, if I'm Richard Sherman today, I'm like, why? Why is there the urgency? What are they trying to get past us? Hopefully, I'm just getting old and I'm becoming a skeptical dick. But I, I think <laughs> like if I'm the players, I want to know like why are we moving so fast on this? I think you're turning into a pessimist here, Matt. Usually, you're Mister <laughs> Optimist. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that they're going to do their due diligence, so they're going to read through this thing. They're going to figure it out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they counter with uh, taking medical marijuana or marijuana off the banned substance list or doing something like that other leagues are doing where they just don't test for it anymore i think that that is something that they're going to counter with like connor mentioned lifetime insurance it's going to be interesting to see what the players want back because i think we've heard the owners talk for so long about the 17 games and now expanding the playoffs i want to hear what the players are going to counter with and what they want because they really at least in my opinion i haven't heard much of what they're going to counter with so it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think Lifetime Healthcare is one. I think we're going to see a drastic change in drug testing for marijuana. I, I think the NFL is not going to go complete like NBA and be like, oh, we're not testing for it anymore. But they are going to roll that back to where the, the testing window is probably much smaller, and I bet the penalties are a lot, lot less. Uh, Tom Pelissero from NFL Network actually just tweeted, guys, that the way this would work, so if there's a 17th game, Players would get an extra game check, but it would be capped at $250,000. So Aaron Rodgers, who probably makes a couple million dollars a game, would get his game check for Week 17 capped at $250,000. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, I tell the owners to shove that up their ass right now. If you're the 53rd player on the roster, or 46th (laughs) because the dumb inactive rule, like this, this I don't want a stoppage, but this is just such a bullshit deal. Like our guy Patrick Mahomes is about to get thirty five million dollars a year. That's two and a, say he gets two and a half million dollars a game. Now he has to play for a tenth of that. Yeah, come and, on. And I, you even mentioned the inactive thing. Make all fifty three guys active. Like, Thank what you. is the point? They're on the roster. Make everybody active. I think that that's another argument that the players can make for health. I mean, you want more guys in there playing special teams, taking some of those reps. The inactive thing is just absolutely ridiculous to me. You have 53 guys on the roster. 53 guys should be able to play. And that Connor, makes I want no to ask sense. you. Yeah, it does. I want to ask you because, like, Mello uh, still for, has a full time job teaching. You and I sit around and watch Twitter all day. <laughs> Isn't Not a it amazing? <laughs> amazing. Depending on where you work, the way you're spinning this right now, if you happen to work for, let's just say, a network that's owned by the owners, right now you're like, this is a good deal. Let's sign it right now. Pro Football Talk is like, uh, what? Like, how could the players approve this? ESPN's like in the middle, just like, everybody get along. We don't want to lose football. It is it's crazy. I mean, I feel like we're covering politics right now where you have MSNBC saying one thing and Fox News saying another. And like we're just stuck in the middle here wanting like truth and an honest opinion of what's good for everyone. This the two hundred fifty thousand dollars is a slap in the face to any player who makes more than four million dollars a year. Which is absolutely insane. And I'm with you all the way that you bring up the coverage of this. How is that even a conversation right now? I would laugh and hang up the phone if somebody told me that that's the deal. And here's the best part of it. 
it's capped at $250,000. But does that mean that the players that make less would still make less? It's not even yeah, like it's helping out the bottom roster guys. Yeah, so, that's the way I'm reading into it. It's just a this flat advice. everybody gets twenty and fifty. Yeah, I'll give this advice to anybody that's following this on Twitter right now. You're going to hear a lot of glowing and positive reports about how this agreement and how this proposal is moving. Keep an eye on where those are coming from. And I like plenty of people that work at the NFL Network. But let's be real here, guys. It's becoming, it's the same, you know, the reports are coming from the same spot all the time. You really need to be balanced here and realize that there's going to be a lot of shitty offers that the league tries to get through the NFLPA, and this could be a much longer process than we're actually seeing here. And I just can't get over, you're not even being serious when you bring that kind of argument to the table for the 17th game. It should not be treated like the postseason where everybody makes the same thing or there's any kind of cap limit. It is an extra football game in the schedule and needs to be treated with such. If they're making a lot of money off of this, That's what everybody needs a piece of the fucking pie. Obviously, and I can't believe like we are all getting worked up about this. Which it's absurd. Did, did not expect this to happen. But I have I, friends that play in this exactly league. Exactly what Connor said. Are you going to cap how much the owners make on the 17th game? Of course you're no not. No way. Man, trickle-down economics in and the, the NFL. the fact that they're capping it, too, like like you said, Connor, that's ridiculous. Like They're not going to go to that other guy and be like, well, we figured it up. <laughs> we're going to write you a check for $179,000, but we're going to give you that two fifty. It's not going to happen. So that is a bullshit thing. Matt, maybe you were just a realist here and not the Finally. pessimist. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff that it sounds like maybe the owners are just trying to sneak in there. Like, oh, yeah, by the way, $250,000 cap. Sounds like a lot of money. Right? But it's, That's a shitload of money for a week. It is, but... Not to these guys. But, yeah, your worth is what somebody's going to pay you. I I do want to shift gears because the NFL Scouting Combine starts Tuesday. I will be in Indianapolis Monday through Monday. Connor will be coming in uh, Thursday. Mello will be coming in Friday. We have a lot of things planned. And I want to encourage everyone who's not already following BR Gridiron on Twitter and on Instagram. Do that now if you're not already. Also, follow all of us and stick to football. Hopefully, you're doing that if you listen to the show. But we are going to be doing a lot of fun things next week. Uh, I'll be doing some podcasts and interviews uh, before Connor gets there. So you're going to get a podcast from us. Uh, you're going to get one Monday morning. Monday morning. All Wednesday, With all of us. All three of us previewing the Combine. You're going to get one Wednesday morning, Thursday morning, Friday morning, and then Monday morning, you'll get the one from uh, our event on Saturday. So there will be a lot of content. We're going to be doing a lot on social media in terms of like Instagram stories, breaking news, a lot of the rumors. So BR is rolling out the carpet for us this week. There should be a ton of content. Uh, and always the BR app is a great place to, to get all that. So I wanted to let everybody know kind of what we'll be doing. There will be a ton of shows and a ton of content. But guys, I was excited this morning because I read a, a Sports Illustrated article that highlighted the new combine drills. And I feel like the league buried the lead on this. Like, oh, combine's going to primetime. BFD. Oh, combine drills are getting changed. Now I'm excited. Mostly because they actually talked about getting rid of the bench press, which needs to happen. Oh. They're not yet, but they're working toward it. So some of the new drills include a smoke route drill for quarterbacks and wide receivers. So that's awesome because like everyone in the NFL runs this route now. So there's going to be a smoke route drill. And also, guys, everything will be timed, which I don't know how much that's going to help us as evaluators. It's going to make it a lot more fun to watch. So the W drill going to be timed. The gauntlet is going to be timed. They're getting rid of the rabbit drill that offensive and defensive linemen do. Instead, they're going to have D linemen do the figure eight. They're going to have them push sleds instead of, you know, a 70 year old coach holding a bag that looks like he's about to die. So it does feel like 
They're getting better at some of the drills we are going to see. And I think adding a clock to it is going to up the competitiveness for a lot of these players. Now, I will say, I was talking to some agents Thursday. There are a lot of agents of big-time players who say, my guy's not working out this year because mm. he's not going to be the guinea pig. So if you're Chase Young, do you want to be the guinea pig? Where you we That agent doesn't know how to prep you to work out in prime time. The schedule is completely different than it's ever been. It feels like the league is coming out with things like this information late in the process. So I'm not saying I was talking to Chase Young's agent. It wasn't, I don't think. <laughs> but that's a good example of someone. It is. Do you want to go out there and be that guy that's like, ah, he, he's we're the changing number this two on the pick. fly? Uh, he probably yeah. didn't need to work out anyway. And then these guys are such creatures of habit. They are changing the schedule. Everything used to be in the morning. Now it's in prime time at night. I'm not rolling Chase Young out there because these guys have gotten into the routine and their habits of this is how we prepare players for the combine. Now all that's changed. So if I'm Chase Young, if I'm a Joe Burrow, if I'm maybe even Jeff Akuda, no thanks. Probably not going to go. Uh, I'll go. I'll interview. I'll do the medicals. I'm not doing very many drills. Like maybe if I'm pretty confident in my 40, I'll run the 40 there. But I'm going to weigh in. I'm going to do the interviews. And that's about it if I'm a top prospect. Uh, He has no reason to. I mean, we can go through the list right now, guys. And I don't know if they'll let us into the combine after we do this. But they don't let us in now. Good good point. (laughs) Chase Young doesn't need to go. Joe Burrow doesn't need to go. Jeff Okuda doesn't need to go. Jerry Judy. I don't think he needs to go. And I know there's people on Twitter that are acting surprised that Jerry's telling people he's going to run in the four threes. I'm not. He looks like on the field, the guy that's going to be yeah. four three nine, four three eight kind of 40 guy. We can go down this list. I'll tell you right now, there's a ton of players in the top 15. I don't need to see anything this weekend. And I am excited for the combine, mostly for day two receivers and running backs. And of course, how the DBs run and a lot of things like that. But when you talk about the top of this draft, where the blue chip players are, I'm not really expected to be surprised at all anywhere. They're there for medicals and interviews and not the circus that is exactly. on TV. That stuff, of I've, course. But the on-camera stuff, whatever. I wrote this in my scouting notebook. comes up Friday morning. The stuff you see on TV is actually the least important. So if, if they're hyping it on TV, it probably actually doesn't matter a whole lot to what we do as evaluators. And speaking of making the NFL mad, you guys know this story. I'll tell it on the podcast because I'm feeling a little, you know, a little, spunky. A little spunky today. A couple <laughs> years ago. Someone was like, hey, where do you watch? How do you get in to watch the drills of the combine? And I said, you don't, but you're welcome to come to my hotel room and watch the drills because they won't let us watch them. The NFL reached out to Bleacher Report and said, so I guess Matt doesn't need a credential this year. I replied, actually, I don't remember this This year. I do. I do this year because we're doing Radio Row. But that year I didn't. And I don't think I picked mine up just out of protest. Moving on. Speaking of Alabama, uh, the video quality wasn't great, but I would encourage everyone to look this up. The Alabama receivers, so Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, uh, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell, raced the Alabama DBs. So two corners, <laughs> two safeties. It was not close. Henry Ruggs running the anchor almost fucking lapped them. Henry I mean, Ruggs is, like, you know he's fast, and I, there's a scouting saying, uh, don't count it twice. I get it. No, 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 no. He's really, really fast. Yeah, and he's proven it. And like you said, the quality of the tape wasn't very good. But yeah, we know Henry Ruggs is fast. We just talked about Jerry Judy. Like, I don't want to sleep on a guy that's going to run four three four four. That's very, very fast. Devonta Smith, I'm not sure where he's at, but I'm going to guess he's in that four four range. Jalen Waddell is a low 4-3 guy. It's and I wild. know he's not draft eligible, but he is a low 4-3, maybe high 4-2 guy. I don't know what the defensive backs were thinking. 
the two of the fastest receivers in the entire nation, and you're going to run with like uh, who's McKinney out there running? I think he's our all three of a top, top safety. safety. Yep. You're not winning that race, buddy. You're the fifth fastest person <laughs> on the Diggs team. looked so slow, and he's not. He looks so slow in this video. So not. A I just. I, it went back to me. I remember when we talked to Jerry at the Super Bowl, and we asked about the wide receiver group, and he's like, "Yeah, well, like you know, Henry and Jalen, they'll lead the pack, and then me, and then Smith." And I'm sitting there looking at him. I'm like, you're telling me Jalen Waddle runs with rugs? This is yeah, – yeah. and we've talked to people that think Smith is a 4-4-40 guy, like Melo just said. So your last guy is running a 4-4. It's yeah. unreal, that group. It really is something special. I can't wait to watch. Also special, I didn't want to do the show without talking about this. The Greg Robinson <laughs> oh, carried God. senior year Matt Miller worth of weed from L.A. to Louisiana and somehow – Ended up in Mexico and had to go through border control with a commercial grade canning system and 159 pounds of weed in duffel bags. If Amazing. you accidentally wind up in Mexico, you probably started with 165 pounds of yeah. weed. Somewhere in between there, six of it disappeared and you got your ass in Mexico. I just don't understand. Like, forget the why is he doing this or how he ended up at Border Patrol. <laughs> What was he driving? Like it was like a rented Tahoe or something like that, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, they rented a Tahoe in LA and were driving it to Louisiana. How did you end up in El Paso? I mean I know I know how, but I don't understand why how. Bro like, just why? opened Google Maps and drew a straight line to Louisiana. So the story so is, dipped in. There was a guy who drove his Uber like in Louisiana. He hired him, flew him to LAX, and the guy was supposed to drive him from LAX to Louisiana. The guy was uh not I, I think he said he had a card to to be a like to be working in the U.S., but he wasn't a U.S. resident. So there's that aspect of it on top of this. So homeboy, the Uber driver, just got lost. I think I, there's so much more to this story. I think he got really excited about the new CBA and knew that his player reps were probably going to go to bat on him for the marijuana. Probably didn't expect the 159s from your player rep, but uh, what a story! I don't understand why. Obviously, there's probably some intent to sell. Why are you still doing this if you're a millionaire? Like, if I'm a millionaire, I'm going to stop doing anything else that I need to to make that little extra money. I don't know. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. I think he's made around $30 million in he's his career. number two pick in the draft. Man. That's the thing. He's He was taken number two overall, and then the Browns were insane enough to give him a mm-hmm. nice deal last year. So, you know, it's bad. He's the worst wanted, criminal of all time. It's he's like Nate there. Newton and then Greg Robinson. It's amazing. I do. I want to take like this summer, do some investigative podcasting and the Greg Robinson, 159 pounds of weed is high on my list. I have. And they caught him at the border, right? Yeah. Trying to get back in alerted. Why'd you go to Mexico, man? How'd you get across it in the first place? This is a a great question to start with. If you Google map, there's like, there has to be a piece of this story missing. Cause like if you Google map LAX to New Orleans, you're not going through Mexico. Was he a drug mule for the cartel? Is that what he's doing? Picking some up on the way? I think I mean, if he had a mule, he would have made it without getting caught. <laughs> the problem was he didn't have one. When you're a six foot five, three hundred and thirty pound drug mule, kind of stand out a little bit. Amazing. <laughs> if they had gone up through Arizona and New Mexico and then across the top of Texas, that'd have been fine. I, I don't. There's I so can't much more to the story. Here.
<laughs> right? Narcos, Greg Robinson. Yeah. yeah. Next year on Netflix. One episode. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. Lynn Bowden, when we come back in our we're top five, I forgot to tell you guys, is going to be our top five game changers. I got offense, Melo got defense, and Connor uh, pulled the short, strong at special teams, I, I guess, this week. That's so, volunteered. <laughs> yeah, next week, we'll make sure you get something fun. We'll be back after this. We promised you amazing interviews all through the draft process. We got a great one here. Call him a quarterback, call him a receiver. Just don't fuck with him before the bowl game. We have Kentucky's Lynn Bowden, baby. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, you're in the middle of training for the Combine, which is next week. Uh, thanks for taking a moment for us. Yeah, I appreciate y'all for having me on, man. Lynn, we're going through the draft process right now, as you know. Uh, and I think the highlight of you and what you're doing right now is the fact that you switched in the middle of the season from receiver to quarterback. How do you think that's going to affect you in the draft? Uh, what questions do you think the teams will ask you? Maybe positives and negatives for both sides. Uh, I think I think it, uh, it helped me a lot. You know, they they got to uh, they got to see the, the competitor I am. You know, and then what I could bring bring to the table. You know, just for a team. You know, I could play receiver, running back, quarterback, play special teams. I play DB <laughs> if, if needed. You know, you know um, some of the questions. You know, you just. I get asked often is what what do I want to play? You know, my answer pretty pretty simple, you know, I just I just want to play. I don't care what it is, you know, I just I want to be out there contributing. Lynn, what was that conversation like in the middle of the season cuz you come out of the gate in the first five games, you have like 30 catches, you're on fire. Uh, you know, we know you're returning punts really well, doing everything, playing wildcat quarterback and then they're like, "Hey, we're going to need you full time to play quarterback." Just what was that conversation like and and how did you feel about it? Well, you know, uh, it really it happened in uh in the, at the South Carolina game. We was losing 24 to nothing with like 3 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You know, um our defense would just had got to stop and I was Getting ready to go out for um punt return, but I had told Coach Stoops, I'm like, just give me a shot at 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 one drive, you know, at quarterback. And he's like, yeah, what worst at worst could it could it be, you know? Um, and from there we went five plays, thirty seconds, and four <laughs> touchdowns. And we've been back there, and every every since that that drive, you know, we never looked back. And I was I was the quarterback. Now, Lynn, I want to ask you the question that I think every NFL team is going to ask you. How did it feel to land <laughs> that punch it. against Virginia Tech? Uh, yeah, I loved uh, it. It was it was a little out of character, you know. Uh, stuff happens, but you know, you just you can't poke poke the bear if, <laughs> if you, you can't you can't you know you can't take what, what, what's coming. So this is your chance. You get to to put the story out there. What caused the scuffle? Because I believe if I if I remember right, it happened before the officials even got to the field. What caused that scuffle with Virginia uh, you know, Tech? It was just a build up thing from uh, the whole week. You know, they they was they were kind of like, to me, I think their game plan was to try to get me kicked out of the game. You know, because they they knew they really didn't have a have a shot at really beating us with me in the game. So the whole week they try to mess with me. You know, and I'm not really a guy that's going to go out and you know go back and forth with you. You know, but so we went Sunday. I want to say it was on a Sunday. Went to the NASCAR and like our teams was there at the same time. So we was pulling up when they was leaving and. Like, uh, we got 150 people on our team. It was four of us, and the rest of the team was up there. We was getting off the bus late. And um, they whole team, coaches and all, trainers, everybody included, you know, they, they start running up on us. It's, it's 160 of them and four of us. You know, so we, we stand on our ground, you know. And then from on there, every time they, they seen us and we seen them, 
you know, it was just just conversation back and forth. But then at the game, I take a pregame lap every game, no matter where I'm at. You know, they got the bump of me, saying stuff to me. So, you know, I'm, I'm mad already because that morning, the morning of the game, I get a call from a, my girlfriend, you know, um, and she telling me somebody bust out the window to my car and they took out my took all my clothes, all my money, took all her clothes and took all my son's clothes because we packed to come down uh, to Pensacola, Florida for to train. And, you know, so I was already up kind of emotional from that. And at the middle of the field, they, they just got mm-hmm. getting rowdy, you know. You know, and I'm a man. You know, I'm a man first, you know. Pride pride goes a long way. And, you know, I just I ain't want them to feel like they, they was punking me. You know, it was the wrong thing to do. But, you know, my teammates accepted it. You know, our AD, you know, me and him had a chat before the game. Me and Coach Stoop had a chat before the game. And, you know they they got what they what they deserved. Uh, two rushing touchdowns, two hundred thirty three yards. Thirty three yards later, <laughs> that's what they got. Two hundred thirty three yards, two <laughs> touchdowns, and knocked the fuck out. That's what they got. <laughs> like I said, we we absolutely loved it on this show. I mean, we've been a big fan for a while. And, and one thing we were wondering is, you know, you come from Ohio, and a lot of schools in the Big Ten looked like they needed your help this year. How did you end up at Kentucky? Um, you know. I had offers from everywhere, you know, um, I just, I was one of them guys that I wanted to go change the program around and I don't want, I ain't want to go to a, a big, big name school and just, just be an average guy. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. No doubt in my mind. If I went to one of the big, big bigger schools, you know, I, I felt like I still could do the same thing, but you know, I just wanted to showcase it at a different level, you know, just coming from one of the schools that's, that's building. And when I went there, it was a lot of wild guys and even, even some Youngstown guys on the team outside of the coaches. And, you know, I, I knew everybody on the team could relate to me because they, they had the same, same mindset, you know, and, and the same grit as me. And we, we never looked back from there because I was committed to Indiana at first. You know, it, it was, it was a nice place at Indiana, but I just felt like Kentucky was for me. So, Lynn, when you play Madden, does that mean you're like the Bengals? Like, you just want to go to the worst team and make them better? Or is that kind of what went into your mindset? Nah, see, when I play Madden, I play with Lamar because me and Lamar are like, <laughs> you know, I just, I played, <laughs> I played with Madden like a couple of days ago and I beat somebody like 78 to 6, and Lamar had eight rushing touchdowns online. So, not bad. No, that that's not bad at all. Uh, do you have a preference on on teams or like a region that you want to go to? Obviously, you're going to be happy nowhere, no matter where you get drafted. Uh, but do you have a favorite team or a region that you like to stay in? You know, my favorite team is the Steelers. You know, I always I've been a diehard Steelers fan since since I was young. But as far as a preference where I go, you know, I just want to play. You know, I, I want to showcase the world. You know, showcase to the guys there that. It's just it's not just because I went to Kentucky and it's not because of the high school I went to, you know, I wanna I wanna compete compete against the, the top guys there is in, in the game of football, you know, and this this game I love to play and I wanna showcase what I could do against them guys and help uh one of these these teams to a, a championship I mean a Super Bowl. Lynn, how much did having a son change your life and, and motivate you? Because it's always cool to see him on the field with you and all that, and it just seems like your game has been taken to a completely different level these last two years. Uh, um, definitely. My son, my son, my, uh, my why, you know, me and Coach Grant, he, he, he put that in my head. You always got to have a why, you know, and I always had a why since he was born. But, you know, he just he, – he elevated me. He leveled me up, you know, because it's – like right now, like besides the off-season training that we did at Kentucky, like – so when I'm getting ready for the draft, this is literally the first training I ever had in my life. So I never trained like for football ever in my life. Never trained for basketball ever in my life besides practices, 
and off-season workouts and you know so it was different you know just having him it made me it made my drive 10 times more you know i had to i had to make sure like i had this model like how my son go eat you know and if i ain't gonna do it who gonna do it and i just want my son to know that that i'm gonna be the reason that he's gonna be okay now lynn this is probably the podcast the football podcast with the most tattoos i feel pretty confident about that you are a guy that has a couple of yourself how many tattoos do you have, and what's your next one that you're working uh, on? Right now, I want to say I either got 74 or 75, and the next one I'm, I'm working on. It's a little more than us. Yep. That's a we'll little more than we are. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> yeah, but the next one I'm working on, you know, I'm, I'm going to get my stomach finished. It's going to be all my uh, jerseys throughout my whole football career. You know, I'm just going to get them across my stomach and, and fill up my stomach with those. I don't know if you've ever visited your Wikipedia page, but that's actually where that camp comes from. Like on the personal section, it just says Bowden has over 70 tattoos, including one of former Kentucky teammate Benny Snell's tagline, Snell, yeah, on his stomach. Is that true? You got Snell, no, yeah, on I your stomach? That. They might think it is, it, but. Are you kidding yeah, me? The, the, tat, the tat on my Fucking stomach. Fucking Wikipedia say, burns me say, again. They say RP Thirst, you know, and it got a face in the middle. And that, that was my cousin. He, he died when I was a. Uh, uh, what? I probably was in either high school or middle school. You know, he he was a big influence on me playing football. He he had all types of D one offers too to go out go out and play football. So that's what I got across my stomach. Lane, can we get any insight what you think uh, what you think you're going to run at the combine, or is there anything specific that that you're trying to showcase everyone that you think people are sleeping on right now? Uh, I just I just I think people just think I'm inconsistent. You know, and um. Uh, I'm just going. I'm just going to prove them wrong. Keep proving them wrong, like I've been doing all my life. So I just—that's really what I'm going to showcase. And then last question for you, man. We'll let you get back to training. If they ask you to work out at quarterback at the combine or at a, a private workout with teams, is that I something you do? Any position, they need me to work out at. I never say no because every opportunity is a, a new open I love door. It. Keep- that's awesome. Keep that same energy you had uh, before the Virginia Tech game, and, uh, and good things are going to happen for you. Thank you so much for calling in. Good luck in Indy. If we see you, we will not bump you in the hallway. I yes, promise. <laughs> we'll, we'll be very nice. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate y'all for having me on, man. It's always been a dream to be on here. Thanks, Lynn. Hopefully y'all follow me. Hopefully y'all follow me back or something, you know, on Twitter or uh, Instagram. Or something. I definitely <laughs> did on both. I'll get the rest of these guys to catch up, and uh, we'll keep hyping you up, all right? Yes, sir. I appreciate it. All right. Later, man. It is top five time. We're doing something a little bit different this week. We want to do top five game changers from the 2020 draft class. And as Mello clarified it this week in our group text, uh, this is not people who are going to change the game of football. We're not talking about Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes or anyone like that. But guys who can change the game for their, the franchise that drafts them. Yes, this year. Change it like a single game. Yeah. Not uh, game. change the game of football. Right. EA Sports in the game. In Although the game. one of guys, one of my guys might. One of your guys might. Uh, let's start at number five on my list. Offensive game changers. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. A guy I was so sad we didn't get to see at the senior bowl because I think he would have done very, very well here. Uh, having time now to catch up on 2018 and 2019 tape from Ayuk. And he's, he's just explosive. If you get the ball in his hands, what he can do after the catch is really, really special. I've compared him to Sammy Watkins. If you go back to what Sammy looked like at Clemson, I think if you get Ayuk in a system where he's not the best route runner in this draft class, but he's not a bad route runner. And I think sometimes that gets lost. So get him in a system where yeah, he's going to want some schemed touches, but he can play inside, he can play outside. He has good size with great speed and one of those players who is just better with the ball in his hands. 
And he's going to have some returnability as well, too, for, for any team that's interested in him. I'm going to go with my first game changer on the defensive side of the football. I'm going with Grant Delpit at number five overall, and I know that he's been getting a lot of heat lately. A lot of his issues come because he struggles with tackling or the willingness to tackle, but his coverage ability is still very good. And at six foot three, almost 210 pounds, he can take away a tight end. Uh, he can take away the, the slot receiver, running backs out of the backfield. This is a guy that can cover anywhere you want to. He can probably even line up outside. Uh, again, I know that he's been taking a lot of heat, and I don't think that he's the safety that we all thought he was going to be, but he's still a damn good safety, and he's going to go in the first round. And with that height, I really think that he's going to be a matchup dream for a lot of these defensive coordinators. You look at like the AFC West matching up with guys like Waller and Kelsey. Like the Chargers might be looking for a guy like this, not a pick number seven, I wouldn't think. But, you know, the Broncos kind of have theirs with their safeties. He's going to have some value, and he's going to be able to change a game. You're going to be able to scheme him to at least take away some targets. All right, kicking off the special teams here, and this yeah. is a, a fun one, guys. Uh, I'm starting with a kicker, and I promise this will be the only kicker on the Game Changers list for special teams. We're going with Rodrigo Hot Rod Blankenship now. Uh, he didn't save his best for last this year. His his field goal, percent, his field goal percentage was down just a little bit, but he's got a really, really strong leg. I mean, you go back to his sophomore year where he went 20 of 23. That's 87%. And the most notable thing, once again, with him is not only has he been really really accurate from anything from 40 and below he does have that strong leg to hit 50 to 55 yards out so I think if you're looking for a kicker that will be drafted and grades highly above everyone else it starts and ends with Blankenship Mr. Hot Rod himself the goggles yeah I mean that's how everyone knows him number four Post Malone (laughs) what his nickname is Goalpost Malone Really? It looks like Post Malone, but okay. the goalpost, goalpost. I mean, that, okay. It's not as funny when I have to explain the jokes, Matt. <laughs> I have to Google it. I'm so old. Number four on my Game Changers list, LaVisca Shaynall. I talk about Brandon Ayuk. It's like not a terrible route runner. LaVisca Shaynall is not what I would call an accomplished route runner. He's going to have to really develop his game there. And I think one thing that we can look at is DK Metcalf, we, we joked, we made fun of. He can run three routes. Well, by the end of the year with the Seahawks, he was running like seven or eight routes. And so I think with Chenault, we want to look at that and say, can you also develop as a route runner on the fly? Sure, you're going to come in with a small set of tools like Liam Neeson, and you're going to be able to do this really well. But over the course of now 17 or how many ever games they're playing, can you develop and get better at all these different things? And I think with Chenault, he can come in and play slot. He can play outside. And you're going to want to scheme touches. There'll be a lot of crossing routes. There'll be a lot of jet sweeps or pop passes. A lot of bubble screens. Because while he's not probably going to dominate in the 40, I think his three-cone will be great. His short shuttle will be great. We'll see a lot of very good agility from Chanel because that's what he excels in. And, and even if he doesn't test great, I think his tape shows he is like a slippery type of playmaker, like a Percy Harvin type guy who just, again, find ways to get him the ball in space. I think you look at a lot of those teams at the back end of the first round, the Eagles, the Saints, the Chiefs even. If they could, if he could get into one of those offenses where they kind of use him in that role, I think it's going to be really good for him. And not just limiting to, okay, we drafted you in the first round, go play outside receiver, try to beat all this press coverage. Uh, number four for me is a guy who excels in press coverage, and that's Jeff Akuda. I, I put him on my list. I went back and I watched a little bit more tape on Jeff Akuda. 
I loved it so much. I'm moving him up to. He's the number two guy on my big board right now. Wait, what? Yeah, really? I'm sorry, Joe Burrow. This is a shutdown corner, and he's perfect. I don't know what he can't do. He's 6'1", 200 pounds. He can press. He can drop in zone. He can guard big receivers outside because he has that speed and that size. But he also has the speed and the feet to keep up with these little guys on the outside. This is a guy that can change a ball game. He can take away a Cuda Island. Right? The best shutdown corner I've seen since we started this podcast, since I started helping you with the draft stuff. I absolutely love this guy. Like Patrick Peterson's probably the comp or Jalen Ramsey. Not a lot of corners have been able to do what Jeff Okuda can. I want Stephon Gilmore on a comp for him, but I yeah. think he's faster. Isn't he bigger than Gilmore too? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. I don't know. I don't have his like height weight right in front of me. But again, six one, two hundred pounds. That's a very big corner. And then I still expect him to run like four four. This is going to be one of the best corners we've ever seen. I'm with you all the way. He's he's almost perfect when it comes to a corner prospect. That's how good he is. Number four for me here, going back to the guys that kick, this is punter, <laughs> Braden Mann. And I actually am excited about this guy because he can actually flip a field, and we know how that, how much that really does matter. He averages around 50 yards per punt throughout the entire season. He won the Ray Guy Award in 2018. He probably should have won it this year. I actually don't understand why he was left off the semifinalist, but but man is he's a he's far and away the best punter in this class a booming leg and i do think he'll be one of the better punters in the nfl very early in his career how's our guy in seattle doing the old texas punter Michael Dixon. You know, was he really good? Pay, he yeah, was great. I didn't pay attention to him this year, but his rookie year, everybody was like, oh, my God, look at this punter. He's amazing. We're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's he's still doing things in Seattle. Texas, we're good at punters. And we're so, good in uh, Seattle. That's about it. Yeah, Seattle and punters. Number three on my list. Maybe cheating here, but I got to go with my guy, Jerry Judy. Like you were just saying about Jeff Akuda. I feel like Jerry Judy is, uh, if he were just a little bigger, because he is a little bit skinny, if he were a little bigger, we'd be talking about this is as good a receiver since Julio Jones. As it stands, I feel like Jerry is being overthought because everyone's, oh, well, he played at Bama with all that talent around him, or he had Tua at quarterback, or look what C.D. Lamb did. Everybody's like getting all hot in the pants about all these other receivers when Jerry's been the dude for two years. With a target share, we talked about it earlier in the show, the guys he had around him, C.D. Lamb had scrubs around him at Oklahoma. Four first-round receivers at exactly. least on that team this and, year. And he's still the number one guy. Yeah, there were a couple body drops this year. I feel like we focus on that because Jerry Judy was on TV every Saturday at 2.30 on CBS, and we watched every game. So it's like, oh, dropped one against LSU. I am not worried about it because I don't think drops show up over the last three years when you really dig in and study his tape. So I think Jerry Judy, we don't see receivers come in a lot and be fantastic as rookies. Jerry Judy... As long as he doesn't go somewhere where there is no quarterback, he should walk into the NFL and be a very good receiver immediately because he's so agile, so fast, the burst out of his routes to him and how good he is as a pure route runner. I can't imagine this guy just not being a stud day one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that given the right situation, he could come in and easily be you know, a 1,000 yard receiver in his rookie year again situation matters so don't hold me to that but I I do think he could be that guy number three for me I'm going to take you back to a simpler time the end of December when they were handing out college football awards the Thorpe award went to a gentleman by the name of Grant Delpit that award should have went to Antoine Winfield Jr. He is going to be my next game changer here. Yes, he is undersized. But in his first season at Minnesota where he was fully healthy, this dude had 83 tackles, 
three sacks, seven interceptions, and two forced fumbles. He has a nose for the football. He's not afraid to get in there, get dirty, make the tackles, but he's also great in coverage. I think he can play nickel. I think he can play single high. Uh, maybe if he packs on some weight, I think he could even play strong safety. Uh, he's listed at 5'10", 205. I want to see what he measures in at the combine. I think he's probably going to be 5'9 and some change, and I think he's going to struggle to break 200 pounds. But the game tape is there. The heritage there with his father playing Antoine Winfield for the Vikings for so long and being a player in the league. If he stays healthy, we're talking about a first-round guy. And you guys talked about that on the midweek show, too. Like, if it weren't for health, this would be a first-round safety I think that he can be that guy. I want to see what he does at the Combine, but he has already changed the game at the college level. When on the field, he's one of the best safeties in the nation. Doesn't it feel like it's going to be like a, a Juan Thornhill type situation or like a, a Taylor yeah. Rapp where he's going to fall today too and somebody's going to steal him and we're going to be like, why does the NFL let this happen? Like, we're going to go back and look at this draft in 2025 and be like, oh yeah, shit. We let Antoine Winfield go to the second round? Why? Like he'll go to the Steelers or something, you know? Yeah. And he's like, oh, great. Great, this again. Yeah, I'm with you all the way. I mean, he's got a lot of, you know, Honey Badger, Buda Baker, that undersized safety that just shows up everywhere on the field in his game. Number three, now we can have some fun with the special teams. We're done with the guys that kick the ball. We're on to the guys guys that (laughs) score the touchdowns. And and I got one, actually, from Matt's list that makes it on special teams as well here, too, and that's Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, quietly, we know how good he was as a receiver this year. We know he's probably one of the most explosive players in this class after to the catch, but quietly, he was a very, very good kick and punt returner this year for Arizona State. He averaged 32 yards per kick return, per kick return, and on punts, he averaged over 16 yards per punt return, brought one back to the house, very consistent punt return option. He's the guy that just seems to get you that 10 to 12 yards every single time he touches the ball because he always makes the first guy miss. Very explosive player. So I think we've done a very good job on this show illustrating how special Ayuk can be as a receiver because he's a little raw, but you know he can win deep. He's effective on screens, slants, out routes. But a lot of people forget this guy made things happen consistently on special teams for that Arizona State program. Yeah, and I'm really coming around on him. He's just... I think as we get to this time of year, you can start to imagine guys like outside of the boxes that we put prospects in. And like, man, if we could get Ayuk on, he's probably not going to be. But like, if he were in the Niners offense or the Rams offense, the Chiefs, the Eagles, like somewhere where you can be creative with him, you could have a lot of fun. Number two for me, DeAndre Swift. Again, we're talking about game changers. At the running back position, I know there was a moment in time there where I was like, yeah, J.K. Dobbins looks pretty good. Sometimes I'm an idiot. DeAndre Swift is Welcome the best back, running back Matt. in this class. And I think wait, 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 wait. You are going back to Swift. Oh, I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I, what well, happened I think, to you there? The injury bothered me. That was okay. And I, I think I said that when it happened. And I was like, God, the injury bothers me. Uh, it, it did. And I think with Swift, like if in three years we're like, man, the shoulder's a big problem. He's got arthritis. We'll be like, well, fuck. Probably should have stuck with J.K. Dobbins. But he's just so explosive. And I think, again, as we get out of the box of, you know, okay, you vision, got it. Outside zone, inside zone, got it, got it. Speed, got it. Swift just does everything a little bit better than all the other backs in this class. So, like, with Dobbins, I got really excited because I think he has a little more power than Swift at the point of contact. But Swift is faster. He has better open field vision. He has better hands. The routes that he runs out of the backfield are more more nuanced. And Jake Fromm legitimately 
DeAndre Swift saved his life so many times. So I think with Dobbins, yeah. it was like the playoff run. It was, man, he's doing some really good things. He has good defenses. And we saw him down the stretch against you know, Penn State and Michigan. His offensive line, no disrespect to Georgia. What Ohio State's offensive line was doing, I think, made J.K. Dobbins' job a little bit easier. Um, so Swift is the top running back for me. And a lot of it is just because, and we've talked about this with quarterbacks privately and I think on the show, the league is changing. And as we adapt to how the league is changing, you have to have someone like DeAndre Swift. Like that is what everyone wants. And I know Dobbins catches the ball just fine out of the backfield. Jonathan Taylor caught the ball better this year. Clyde the Glide catches the ball well. Again, Swift just does all the things that I want in a running back a little bit better than those guys. Uh, it's yeah. good to have you back. Thank yeah. you. Thank well, you. Welcome. We, we, yeah. we can start talking about how DeAndre Swift is running back one for stick to football again. Uh, it's nice to be able to say that. Uh, and can I, one more thing I will say. Okay, this. fine. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're like you're flip-flopping. That is like the process. And I would yeah. rather say like, hey, I watched more tape and I thought more about where the NFL is going with positional traits. And I changed my mind than saying, nah. In December, I said J.K. Dobbins, and I'm going to stick with that. So if you want to be one of those people that tweets and says, oh, you guys are flip-flopping on prospects, we are, because we're still working our asses off no to study shit. these players. Yeah. I just dropped Joe Burrow on my board because <laughs> I watched more Jeff Akuda stuff. It, it happens all the time. So uh, use that app button, Shift 2, on your keyboard. You don't have to take screenshots. We don't care. <laughs> Use that out. Number two on my list uh, is actually probably a surprise. I'm going with Chase Young here uh, as a game changer because, well, no duh. This guy wrecked every game. And don't give me that bullshit. This was another take uh, by a very popular draft guru. Said he didn't know what happened to Chase Young in the last three games of the season. Oh, my God. I just Are you be... fucking kidding me? I just me. want to say he's not talking I'm about not You're going to be so one of the popular... <laughs> One of the most popular draft guys and say you don't know what happened to Chase Young in the last three games of the season. I'll tell you what happened. They triple teamed him. Literally, I don't think he saw anything less than a double team. So, yeah, he didn't have any sacks. This is still one of the best edge rushers we've ever seen. Uh, I don't care how long you've been doing it. Put him near the top. He is going to be an excellent NFL player. All right, I'll wrap this up with my final two on the special teams. I'm actually surprised, Matt, that you didn't have this guy on yours, but it's a tough year. Somebody isn't going to make the cut. Jalen Rieger here. Now, I think he did a lot more in college as a receiver, but for special teams, I do think he's a really Really explosive punt returner. It's just all about opportunities with Rieger when they actually choose to kick to him. He is really, really fast. The acceleration is phenomenal. I mean, 4-3 speed there, and he makes guys miss. So I really, really like Rieger because I think he's going to get more opportunities as a specialist at the next level as well. The final one, a name that you probably haven't heard on this show yet, but he had a fantastic career at Virginia as a kick returner, and that's Joe Reed. I'm curious to see how Reed does at the Combine. If he's going to test very well because he's a very explosive returner five kicks brought back for touchdowns throughout his college career to this year and most importantly guys he averaged over 33 yards per kick return so yeah you love the five touchdowns you like the ability to really change the game and bring one back to the house but you also love a guy that was consistently getting it out to the 50 yard line time and time again so joe reed I don't know if he's going to play much receiver at the next level. I did think he had a really, really nice final season, but he will make an NFL team as a return man. I have him as draftable. Um, Me too. Not yeah. A shrine game guy, 
combine invite. I think he's draftable. Uh, last on my list, Joe Burrow. And I feel like this is incredibly obvious, even though Mello hates Joe Burrow. That's why I moved him down. <laughs> yeah, right. I think like Joe Burrow is another guy where it's funny because he came along and, and it was like he he warmed up, warmed up, warmed up, and then boom, he blew up. And now it's almost come around where people are like, two is better than him. I don't think he is. And I, I will say, I, I might be wrong here. I put Burrow above Tua during the LSU-Alabama game, and, and this was before Tua's injury. I, I just feel like Burrow is so special with his accuracy. My favorite thing about him, though, is when pressured, and it happened a lot. LSU's offensive line was not as good as a lot of people want to make them out to be. When he was pressured, his ability to move and keep his eyes downfield, I've said it before, it reminds me of Mahomes, and I know people are going to think that's sacrilegious because Burrow's arm is not that strong, but I mean in the way he feels pressure and that it really doesn't rattle him. I know there was a great quote from an LSU coach who said, a lot of guys, when they get hit hard, they kind of wilt and, and they don't want it. When Joe gets hit hard, it just pisses him off and he plays better. I love that about him. And I think that's why wherever he lands in the NFL, that trait is going to carry him. That ability that, oh, I just got rocked. Okay, who cares? Let's do it again. I mean, his whole career was built on getting the shit kicked out of him by UCF uh, in the bowl game. And then we saw what happened with him. Last guy on my list is obviously going to be Isaiah Simmons. Uh, We were talking about it before. These are game changers that could change a single game. This is a linebacker that I do think can change the game of football. I think that he can come in as a defensive weapon and a lot of teams start to look at I need one of those. Give me a guy who is a big safety or give me a linebacker that can cover like him. The problem is we haven't seen one since I've been doing this. So Isaiah Simmons is the true game changer, I think, in this entire draft. I mean, we've been saying it all along. He's a unicorn. We haven't seen anything like him. He's going to change the game of football, not just a single game. Yeah, he's the game changiest of all the game changers. I do want to ask, where are you guys ranking him? Because I have never done this. I put LB slash S. I thought about doing that today. Because I just don't. Uh, and oh, they're going to hate me with I call him a draft linebacker. 400. I have him in as a linebacker because he's 6'4", 230. But I wouldn't be surprised if some team drafts him and they even announce safety out of Clemson, Isaiah Simmons. Like It could just go so many different ways with him. Yeah, I'm anxious to see because I don't think it's been announced what position group he's working with at the combine. Yeah, we need to look into that. If for it sure. has if been he's announced, smart, it's the linebackers. Oh yeah, yeah he's just going to excel in coverage. He'll I'm just run faster than everyone else right and now. look better than everyone else. Yeah, it is at linebacker. So okay, yeah. I went yeah. down a rabbit hole while we were talking. Sorry, fellas, I was trying to pay attention here, but I've looked at some betting odds for 40 times. I couldn't find his. But one that really stood out to me was Jonathan Taylor. They have him at four five one. Yeah, he's going four four. So. Well, they have Henry Ruggs at four three eight. Yes, four okay. three. Yeah, eight. take the take take the under on that. We yeah, should do I, that I on Monday's show. I yeah, agree. we should find just go through all the combine prop bets. Although I don't know if I want to give away the money secrets. I was going to say you're in Jersey, uh, right? You so Fanduel hasn't released them yet, sadly. But I'm hoping they do next week. So if I Venmo you, oh, yeah. I mean, okay. me yeah, gambling, I don't do that stuff. That's right. That's dangerous. <laughs> sin. We'll be back right after this. All right. It is draft on draft time. First question from a great username, Moose and Hank's dad. I hope those are dogs. I hope they aren't dogs. They have to be. They better be dogs. Kids. Moose. questions on the show. Really? Okay. I should say that. All right. What you pros- know the rule. No cats. <laughs> right. Right. What prospect are you high on that no one knows about yet? 
what prospects are you currently watching? So I am trying to get caught up I on LSU, which I know that sounds weird, right? It's but like they have 18 guys. So I'm trying to go back through. I just just finished, completely finished, Caleb on Chase on. Uh, watched Rashard Lawrence this morning. And so um, I, I, Christian Fulton was last week. So I'm trying to work through LSU, which takes it actually takes a long time for a team that plays that many games in a season to get through 18 prospects. So just be transparent. I'm on them. A player I like that I don't think anyone else is talking about. That's always tough. I like John Hightower from Boise State a lot. I think he's going to do really, really well at the combine. He wasn't a senior bowl guy. He was a JUCO transfer receiver. Uh, So I like John Hightower a lot. I like Daniel Thomas. He's a safety from Auburn. And it was an accident. I was trying to watch uh, Marlon Davidson. And I kept noticing this safety against Alabama making all these plays. And was like, who is number 24? So I look him up. It's like, oh, my God, he's a senior. Why wasn't he at an all-star game? I have no idea. But he got a combine invite. So I'm excited. I like Daniel Thomas. Nice. I think he, I mean, he walks up a lot. I think he's probably a strong safety. But I've, you know, as happens, I've already told a couple teams about him. Like, hey, this dude might be late, but keep an eye on him because I think he's pretty good. It's hard to do the no one else knows about yet. Right. Because I felt like for a while I was running the Cam Dantzler train, and then I other people are starting to catch on too as they watch more tape. I want to act like I'm, you know, found the diamond in the rough. But as far as like other guys that people don't know about yet that I'm high on, I don't know because like the three of us talk so much that I feel like right. those names are out there. So there's not really anybody that I feel like I'm higher on that nobody knows about. As far as who I'm watching, right now I'm trying to get through the safeties. I, I liked Kyle Duggar a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, obviously our guy Antoine Winfield Jr., really like him. I, I think this is going to round out to be a pretty decent safety class. I don't think there's a lot of top-end talent after Delpit and McKinney, uh, but there are some depth pieces, some guys that are going to contribute uh, that can play free and strong safety and maybe even some nickel. But I, I'm watching a lot of those guys right now. Yeah, I'm with you on the it's tough to get a player in that nobody has heard of. Like the the one guy I'll say that I like a lot and I never see him posted on Twitter anywhere. I guess that that's how to gauge it is JJ Taylor, the little running back at Arizona. Yeah, he's violent. And when I say that, it's like it's like round six or seven. Right, but he, right. considering he's five six, I'm pretty impressed with him running the ball twenty five to thirty times a game and, and consistently um uh, you know generating yards, creating uh, creating yards after contact. So I think that's one that I'm excited about that you won't really hear much because there's so many running backs in this class and he's really, really small. But it wouldn't shock me if he's someone that that sticks as a third running back somewhere in a return man. Who am I watching now? I've been working through the offensive linemen and I feel pretty good about my final stack of the top guys. And Matt, I think I was reading something from you the other day where I think we almost had it the same. Where And Mello, I'd be curious your take on this, but I think Wills is in his own tier. Yep. I really like Werfs, I like more than I thought. <laughs> I was like, yep. I, I moved him I, up on man, my board too. <laughs> yeah. I, I, listen, I was, I was like, man, I think Werfs because of like limitations and this and that will probably be the fourth. He's number two clear cut offensive lineman. Becton and Thomas are so different, but they're in the same tier. And I think that's what I saw from you, Matt, where I felt exactly the same. Yep. And then Josh Jones is solid, but I don't think he's with any of those guys. That's the thing for me. And and guys like Austin Jackson, I have really serious concerns about him being on the field next year. I think he's truly a developmental guy. Isaiah Wilson is someone who I'm pretty high on coming out of Brooklyn here with pretty much an all-world ceiling, but still some developmental to go. So 
the tackle class for me is who I've been working through, and, and I feel pretty good about that stack right now. But I'll get through the bottom tier guys later on. I have, I have mine stacked the same way, though. Uh, I have Wills, and I do think that he's in a tier of his own. But then Werfs, he is making a late push. And I, you know, we talk about transparency and how, like what we do. Man, sometimes I'll watch a game and I'll move a guy up or I'll move a guy down. And then sometimes I'll watch the same damn game again and be like, oh, I right. didn't see this the first time around. Yep. Like, we're not machines just set to watch everything and analyze every play. Sometimes we miss things. So, yeah, Werfs uh, is kind of making his way back up my board. Number three, I have Andrew Thomas uh, as well. I think at a minimum, this is a guy that's going to play garden league for a long time, right tackle, maybe develop into a left tackle. I like him. I like him in the first round. I have Josh Jones next. Makai Becton scares the shit out of me because I think he could be Eric Flowers. I think that he could oh. be. Oh, yeah. Let's, yeah. I went there. I think that he could be <laughs> drafted pretty high and that he could fizzle out. And we'll look at him and be like, why did we draft this guy so high? We talk about revisiting old drafts. I think we're going to look at it and say, man, this guy had a lot of potential, but he didn't do shit with it. Or this little clip out's going to bite me in the ass and he's going to be an all pro and everybody's going to say, what the hell were you thinking? How'd you miss the six foot seven, 370 pound all pro tackle? So it's just which player are we going to get? Because scenario is so important for him. Is he going to get in there with a line that's good and that can develop him? Or is he going to go like Cleveland number 10 and he's going to be dog shit? Uh, you just you never know. So it's early. I'm a little low on Becton right now. Uh, I tweeted it out. If he gets his hands on you, you are done. It's over. Yep. But he doesn't get his hands on a lot of people. And there are way too many plays. I see uh, we talk about like the highlight kings. There are a lot of clip outs of him against that Clemson game. I saw a lot of games or sorry, a lot of snaps of him at Clemson. And he was doing this. He didn't know where to go and he wasn't running to get anybody. But if you were right there in front of him, boom, you are dead. But he wasn't getting to that second level. He wasn't doing much in the pass rush. So, Makai Becton, I'm up and down on him. I think I'm lower on Becton than a lot of people. Draft Twitter, everybody that you see, I have him at 48 on my board right now. I have him pretty low. I love that, though. I mean, I, I think that was a, a 2020 draft resolution from all of us, was to make your board your board and like who you like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have Mello, I have him twenty fifth, so I, the concerns are there. Um, now, with that being said, you make the point of if he turns into an All Pro tackle, it wouldn't shock anyone here. Not at all. But I do. I am curious about counter moves at the NFL level, and, and I would love to see if I could see anything before the draft. I just want to see him and Caleb on chase on him one on ones because oh. a bendy guy that can mm-hmm. dip like that is what has me a little concerned at yeah. the next level. A, a guy that can hit you with speed and power. Because if you just go up yes. with speed, you're probably done. But if you have a little bit of both, which if you're in the NFL, you do, I think that you could beat him. And I'd like to see Gross Matos as well, because he has a little little yeah. pop to his game. Chase on, I moved up uh, to 10 overall. I love him. And it's just one of those things. Like I said, I'm just going to love who I love and... Uh, if the NFL says differently, I'll let you guys know. You know, we'll be transparent about this. What we're hearing versus what we're seeing, but he's ten on my board now. Yeah, I have him at eleven. I've been Damn trying it. to go through and put comps for guys. Too. Okay, yeah, right. I ha- Same. I comped him to uh, merciless. How do you like that? I did Josh Allen. Yeah, I don't like to do recent guys, but he drops into coverage so often. Yeah, 
I agree with you. Mm. I just try to stay away from like the guys that are one or two years drafted. I was sending Mello clips at like 10 the other night. I'm sitting on my couch watching Chase on, just texting him clips. Like, you look love at this. Him. Look at this. I, I really do. Uh, that was a long answer to one question. All right, Charlie. It's a good we question. started our own question with right? that one. Charlie Maleska, since the combine is really about interviews and medicals, which player do you think has the most to gain from interviews this week? And how about from medicals outside of Tua? Um, I don't want to say the same guy again, but I think Chase on is going to dominate interviews. Uh, we say it a lot. We're a little bit of a homer about this. If you wear 18 at LSU, that means something, I think, to all of us. And so that's going to help him a lot. Um, who else? I Justin Herbert. Ooh, interviews are going to be big for Justin Herbert because it's kind of been forgotten in how great his senior bowl was that it wasn't that long ago people were like, I don't know if he's a leader. Not that he's a bad guy, not that the character's bad. They just don't know if he's a leader of men, as our buddy Chris Sims would say. So I think that interview for Herbert is going to be enormous. Medicals, how much time do we have? Because, my Lord, we can talk about so many people when it comes to medicals. DeAndre Swift's shoulder, I mean, that's a big one for me. Um, Tua, obviously, is an enormous one. Who else am I? Christian I mean, Fulton. Christian Fulton. Fulton. Ankle is a big one. Winfield with yeah. all the injuries he's had. That's a huge one. Yep. That's like early round two or round four or five. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. Is. Uh, Cole Komet broke his collarbone this year. That's a pretty big Oof. one. Uh, I think interviews would be big for Jacob Eason. There's some like rumors oh, of stuff at Georgia. The guy we just had That's on, true. Zach Moss. Zach Moss. Yep, there's another one. So, yeah. Mm. All right, we got another draft on draft question here, our guy Charlie Maliska. Since the combine is really about interviews and medicals, which player do you think has the most to gain from interviews and outside of Tua, who has the most to gain from medicals? So I will say on the interview side, guys, I think it is the quarterbacks. Justin Herbert, we've heard for three years that he might not be a great leader, might be a little soft. It's a dude who played high school football at Eugene, Oregon, but college football at Eugene, Oregon. So getting him out of his comfort zone, I think, will be pretty big. And then Jacob Eason as well. I mean, everything that happened at, at Georgia from uh, the rumors that are out there that I don't want to get into because they're just rumors, but then also things like how he handled losing the job to Jake Fromm, going to Washington, sitting behind, uh, what was that, the little quarterback? Why did I just go? Oh blank? my gosh! The little three. quarterback's name. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. The little right? guy. <laughs> I want to call it Jake Bentley, but I know that's not it. Is it? Why you got to bring him up? Oh, Damn it! I don't know. But anyways, like behind Washington's quarterback, I think Eason. The interview is going to be big. Medicals. I mean, name it. Everybody. The medicals are huge. I mean, it's the ones that you know about, and then there's always the ones that you don't know about. That there's always surprises. So uh, I, I think that's a big one too. Jake Browning. Thank you. I was so the close. quarterback was Jake Browning. I think you're right when you talk about quarterbacks, though, especially Herbert. Uh, for some weird reason, quarterbacks that are really smart get lumped into this do they care about football thing. Uh, we saw it with Josh Rosen, and we've seen it numerous times. Justin Herbert's a very smart kid uh, academically. I think that there's going to be some questions around that, too. I mean, it seems like teams just always do that thing I, I don't know why but the oh he's very smart does he love football oh he has other interests why does he have other interests because he's a fucking human right. being and he likes more than just football yeah i think when you look at you know I've, it's something we just talked about with lynn is that teams will ask about stuff like that although teams like that stuff like they don't care that you're feisty before the game. They, they like that kind of energy. That just no. falls back into what Melo said. Do you love football? <laughs> yeah, Lynn will go out on the field and knock you the fuck yeah. out. He likes football. Our Darius Stewart got drafted, guys. Okay? Like, yeah. our Darius Stewart, uh, Google that one. If you can. If not, it will be in my book. 
That book will come out when I retire from doing this job. It's called Stories I Couldn't Tweet, and it will be in there. So I think the interviews, I mean, interviews are huge for everybody. You know, we've heard stories about, I mean, this is like, yeah, the Reuben Foster got kicked out of the combine. Should have been a pretty big red flag. Uh, still went first round, and hopefully he turns his life around eventually. But last question, this is a great one. Andrew Magnuson asked us this. If you could observe three teams' war room, for this draft, which three would you pick? I want to say quickly, I hate that terminology. I hate war room. And I know like that's what we call it, though. But I, I don't like it. Anyway, neither here nor there. I would Number one for me would actually be the Bengals. Because there would be a ton of seats and a lot of snacks. Because they <laughs> right? would have like four people. Would there in be snacks, snacks, though, Matt? Bring would your there? own snacks. Right. Yeah, actually, never mind. Yeah. BYOS. There's bring a, your own snacks. There's a bring Google your own chair. You have to sign and a up for something. <laughs> right? Right. It's potluck. So I'll bring the Smokies. But I think the Bengals would be fascinating just to see how they how they handle this draft. I think that would be one for me. Um, the Dolphins are projected to have 13 picks after compensatory selections are announced. That would be another good one just because they're not going to have a break. Their first round is going to be so busy. Like, obviously, pick five is going to be very stressful or if they move up. But then on the flip, going from, let's say they stay at five, five to 18, that's a lot of work that has to be done during that time. Uh, to get ready for your next pick. And then again in the third round, or sorry, two picks in the second round. It's going to be crazy. So those are my two. Cincinnati, Miami, New England. And New England because boring. Uh, no, because are they going to move on from Brady? Are they drafting for okay. now or for the future? I think that's interesting. My first one, I won't steal three teams in a row. My first one is going to be the Raiders. That, yeah, uh, I really, I, I think I... I would pick them first. I love what they've been doing with the draft. I know they sent all their scouts home last year. and was like, oh, what the fuck are they doing? Well, they had a very good draft. So it's working. Uh, I like to see Mayock and Gruden work their magic and what they're doing. And to just get confirmation that they're really targeting those guys that are just a dog and a champion and a winner. Uh, I want to see what that looks like. And also, kind of like with the Dolphins, they have two picks in the first round. Uh, so they're going to be very busy. Uh, they could also target a quarterback. I don't think they will. Uh, if you listen to this show, you know that they're going receiver and running back in the or sorry, receiver and linebacker in the first round. So I, I would pick the yeah, Raiders I can't first. argue with that one. That'll be a fun one to watch. I guess I'll go with the Giants just so I can watch two things. One, I need to get inside the mind of Dave Gettleman just to know how he <laughs> operates. I would sit there and just stare at him the entire night. The other thing is I need to know if when the player falls to them that they really like, if they truly unplug the phones. Remember that story with Saquon? They yeah. unplugged. That they wouldn't even yeah. answer the phone. Yeah. I find that insane. So insane. I don't think that you I need can because you use that same phone <laughs> to call in your pick. So... I don't know how they're getting around that. So like a, is it like a landline? Yeah, yeah it like, is. These are landlines, man. Do you remember they do the helmet phones? Oh, yeah. I love them. Oh, I, I wish I had one in my house. We got to find eBay. Right they got to exist still. Although I don't want a landline because Take I don't want anyone one. calling me. Helmet phone. Oh, yeah. It couldn't be fun. Uh, <laughs> I don't see any on Amazon. That's for another day. Anyways. Well, you boys keep looking. I'll tell you, the other team that I would be very curious to sit in on uh, would be the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, there's a lot of change there right now. And I have no idea where they're going with their pick. They might go quarterback. They could go D-line. There's just so many different directions. I would want to sit in. Uh, and see how this new coaching staff runs the draft. They can be patient. They don't have to reach for a quarterback. I love what their owner's doing. So the Panthers would probably be my second pick at number seven overall. I think it's going to be For exciting. my second one, I'd go with the Cowboys. I want to see 
if the Jones family truly lets Will McClay just just operate in his own way with the scouts, or if there are is there interference there? And I think with Dallas at seventeen, man, there's a lot of directions they can go. I know every time we do a mock draft, I've been putting Xavier McKinney there, and I actually had someone. Uh, one of our listeners of the show, Joe DeMeo, asked, hey, could they trade back and still get McKinney? I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. I, I think McKinney is far and away shown he's the top safety in this class and, and well worthy of a top 20 selection. In Dallas, you know the spread's going to be good. Like Jerry's yeah, getting, like, I didn't Jerry's think of that. Care of you. Yeah, the food's good. Cowboys draft you know, night. I'm Oof. there for three days. I got to eat, you know? Yeah, especially in the first round. Uh, if I'm picking a third team, I'm kind of torn. I'm going to go with the Titans because I want to hang out with Vrabel. And I think that that would be a good time. And to have them picking at 29, they could go quarterback. We'll see what happens with Tannehill. Uh, maybe you could get some inside scoops of what's going to go on with Derrick Henry. And they've been pretty exciting on the draft, too. Uh, I mean, last year, they even taking the defensive lineman, Jeffrey Simmons. Jeffrey Simmons, when a lot of people didn't think he'd go first round. That worked out pretty well. Uh, he was okay in his second half of his rookie season. Yeah, my last one would probably be the Colts. I would like to see just Chris Ballard and Ed Dodds go to work. And I'll tell you what, this pick at 13 is a complete mystery right now. I know Colts fans want a quarterback. We'll see if Anthony Costanzo retires, because if he does, they need a tackle. And I, I think it would be – and they also trade all the time. I feel like they trade their pick every single year. So I'm very curious to see what the Colts do at 13. Yeah, right now they have nine picks. Oh, so they should uh, not trade back. They should trade picks. up. They have, uh, they have that pick at 13. They have 34, and they have 44. So they're going to be busy early. Um, the Colts would be a, a good one as well. All right, that is our show. Thanks to Lynn Bowden. Uh, one of the more fun interviews we've, we've been able to have. Uh, I appreciate his honesty. A lot of guys be like, uh, it's a misunderstanding, and let's move on. He was like, no, I'm a man, and you <laughs> Someone me. stole shit Fuck out of my you. car. I was pissed off. Oh, <laughs> He's man. The, that was that great, yeah. man. Great. I can't, I'm going to like try to find him in Indy and like just give him a little shoulder. Yeah. No, you're not. <laughs> no. Go ahead, Matt. He, he would be the Connor Mello show no. for a couple weeks when you have a broken jaw and you're eating applesauce. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I'd be like Kanye doing the show with my jaw wired shut. Oh, God. Okay, that's our show. We will be back Monday morning a combine preview with the trio and then we are on to Indianapolis where I'm going to eat steak every fucking night. We'll see you guys then.